Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. We're continuing in our series called Family Vibes, and really this is just a way for us to say that we want to share the values that we carry, the heart that we have, and why that's important to you. And so we've been using the book of Colossians as our guide, and uh, we're a couple weeks into that now, actually three weeks, this is the third week, and the first two weeks we talked about how Paul commended the church uh, we're going to be looking at Colossians, by the way, the church in Colossae for their, their faith in Christ and their love for each other and how important that is. And uh, that was kind of our, our, our welcome home Sunday. And then last week, we talked about how we can know God through Christ, through his reconciliation, through his redemption. And, um, and that was an important week because it was the first of four very important uh, pillars for us as a church. If you come early enough and you see the video that starts our service, you'll notice that there are four statements that are made in the middle of that video, and they really share those four values, and they are know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And so today, we're going to talk about finding freedom. This is the next step in that process, in that journey. So I want you to know that Jesus didn't come just to save you, but also to free you. Can I get an amen? He wants you to be free. He came not just to save you, but to free you. And so as we step back into the Bible, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to hear about that process that comes after salvation and the encouragement for what comes beyond being saved and how to live in freedom. And so let's look at it together. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. We're going to learn how to live in freedom. So then... Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So what we're learning from this verse is there, he's talking to Christians, by the way, because he says, since then, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus, continue. He's talking about the continuation. After salvation, after receiving Christ, Freedom means that you have the power to live your life in him. Amen? Not just have a fire insurance policy that's going to let you get into heaven. It's more than that. It's about a life of blessing, a full life. This is a beautiful picture here in verse 7. Let's look at it again. It says you'll be rooted, you'll be built up, you'll be strengthened, you'll be overflowing with thankfulness. Wow. Those are abundant words. Those are full life kind of words, aren't they? They're more than just surviving. But here's the tension. The tension is that many Christians would find themselves in a place when they look at those qualities, they might say, you know what? If I'm reflecting honestly, I feel more tossed around than I do rooted. I feel more unsure than I do built up. I feel more weakness than I do strength. And I I feel like many times I'm losing rather than overflowing with thankfulness. Hmm. 
You see, many Christians find themselves in places that they wish they were not. And here's the big question and the tension for us. Why is it that so many Christians still seem to live with addictions and and with brokenness and with anger and with fear and with defeat? Now, that's a real question to wrestle with. And here's the deal. Maybe you're even here today and you're not a Christian. And you're saying, I've met Christians like that. They say they're Christians, but they're angry. They say they're Christians, but they're they're certainly not kind and loving and gentle. And, And let me explain to those of you that aren't Christians and to those of you that are why this can be the case. I'll explain it to you very simply. It's because you can be saved and still not be free. I want you to think about that for just a moment. You can be saved, but still not be free. And that's why Paul, in the next verse, talking to Christians, says this. See to it that no one takes you captive. Now, this word captive in the King James Version is, see to it that no one spoils you. It's like rotten meat. Something stinks. It's not right. It's not good. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Wow. That's a very strong word. And he's, again, he's speaking to Christians saying, you got to watch out for this. Captivity is a reality for many. Captivity is a problem for many. That's why we need freedom. Because you can be on your way to heaven and yet living on earth as though you are still a captive. This verse is amazing. It gives us incredible insight into why it is that we might be captive. And I want you to think about it with me. I'm going to give you a few thoughts, okay? These are thoughts on freedom. By the way, this message isn't about being a captive. This message is about being free. Is that all right? But we got to understand where we might be at today. So stay with me for just a moment. Amazing insights. Let's look at it. Remember this verse I just read to you. It says, see to it that no one. So let me help you understand some of the places where you might become captive to the enemy. See to it that no one. People can take you captive. Did you know that? And then it goes on to say, through deceptive philosophies, listen, a wrong perspective can take you captive. The verse goes on, that depend on human traditions, what happened in the past can take you captive. And then Paul finishes this verse by telling us that this captivity happens because there are spiritual forces at work in the world. And the truth is, there's a real battle going on for your freedom. Did you know that? It's real. And you're in the middle of it. And it may not seem real at the time. It may seem just like circumstantial or some person or some event. But there are spiritual forces that are at work. That's why this verse mentions the spiritual forces here. But here's the good news. The good news is Jesus wants you free. Amen? He wants you free. He wants you free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the reason why he did that is because he wants you to know how to be free. And listen to what John 8, 32 says. Here's Jesus speaking. Then you will know the truth, which of course is Jesus, and the truth will set you free. Try it again. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
free. Uh, Verse uh, 36 in that same passage, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He makes it very clear. He says, so if the Son, which is himself, sets you free, you will be free. Ready for it? Yeah, you're getting it. It's good. Good day to be in church. And Paul taught this to the Galatians. It's for freedom that Christ has set us Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Why would Paul say that if it wasn't possible that you can, you can have freedom available and not live in it? That freedom can be purchased but not cashed in on, right? That's what Paul is saying here. Listen, you can be yoked again with slavery. You can be a Christian and be a captive at the same time. And Paul's saying, don't let it happen. What is, what's his language here? Stand firm then. Why? Because you're going to have to fight to stay free. You're going to have to fight to move into freedom. This, um, this verse talks about being yoked. And if you know anything about agriculture, in ancient times they would use a harness to take two animals, put them together to make strength for the pulling in the field. And what I want you to see in this verse is that, uh, that Paul is making a connection between being yoked together, being, being harnessed to slavery. And he says, don't let yourself become a slave because Jesus didn't come just to save you, but to set you free. Amen. Thank you. Front row. Like it. Way to go. So what am I actually sharing here with you? Jesus has an intention for your life. And it's not to get by, to make it through, to hang on to heaven. Jesus has a point for your life. And he did for you more than just save you. He wants you free. And that's why he says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they, speaking of you, his followers, may have life and have it to the full. The full life of Jesus is a life of freedom, amen? That's what the full life is about. The full life is about freedom. So let me explain something, um, and, and this is really important. I'll hopefully explain this every year, because each year we need to be reminded of this. And it's simply this, that you, like God, are um, a, a, a multifaceted being. You are created in the image of God. And so when we think about God, we think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we think about you, although an imperfect example, you are body, soul, and spirit. And that's an important uh, fact to remember. The reason why that's important is because when you become a Christian... If you're a Christian in the room, if you've given your life to Christ, you are a new creation. What it, where does that new creation live? That's your spirit, man. It's made new. You are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, full stop. The spirit man is reborn and made new. Perfect, actually, ready for heaven. The problem is, is your body is still your body, Right? And you are still living in your flesh, and you still struggle with what happens in the flesh, and you have a soul. Your soul is your emotions, your will, your desires. And so you have the body here, the spirit here, the soul in the middle is playing tug of war, and whoever is stronger wins. If the flesh is stronger, the flesh wins. If the spirit is stronger, the spirit wins. So, so here's the deal. Your spirit is perfect, but your body and soul need freedom. 
That's why you can be a Christian and still be a captive. But God wants more for you than that. And here's some more good news. You ready for some more good news? Here's some more good news. The things that the enemy uses to enslave you, Jesus intends to use to free you. <laughs> I mean, that's good enough to repeat. Is it okay if I say it again? The things the enemy uses to enslave you, Jesus intends to use to free you. Let me explain what I mean. I just walked you through verse 8 where we, where we talked about, um, you know, being taken captive. And we said that the wrong people will take you captive. You can be taken captive by people, but Jesus will use the right people to help you live free. The enemy will use the wrong people to take you captive. Jesus will use the right people to, to help you live free. The enemy says, listen, you've been hurt before. Don't trust anybody. That's the way he keeps you in bondage. He keeps you from trust, from vulnerability, from honesty. And honesty is actually the pathway to freedom. Did you know that? And so if he can keep you from being honest, he can keep you trapped as a slave. The truth is you need godly friends to support you in your life. And that's why we promote small groups so much. This is a room you can come into and leave without being honest. But when you're sitting in a circle with friends and they're saying, how are you doing? And you know they love you and care about you and are there for you. You're going to be able to say honestly how you're doing. And that's how you're going to get free. It's a path to freedom. And so that's the power of the small group. It's the best place to get free. And you don't have to take my word for it. Let's look at the Bible. Because the Bible talks about what happens when we get honest. Here's what it says. Therefore... Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And remember, I said you need godly friends. You need people who are righteous, loving God. And here's what it says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You need godly friends in your life who will pray for you. And listen, when you confess your sin to Jesus, you find salvation. When you confess your sin, your need, your vulnerabilities to one another, you get healed. Healing comes in that. You get support. You get love. You get prayer. The prayer is what, you know, it's saying here, that prayer in honesty is powerful. It's transformative. And so some of us don't live in freedom because we haven't been able to root ourselves in the right people that will help us get free. Andy, that is such good preaching. Man, what a word. I feel convicted and motivated at the same time. Shoot, that's good, man. That's the life of freedom, friends. We also talked about, you know, deceptive philosophies, the wrong perspective will lead you into captivity. But listen to this. God can give you a transformed mind. Isn't that amazing? You don't, you don't have to be victimized by the philosophies of the world. You don't have to be victimized by the deception that's out there in the world. God can give you a transformed mind. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and I like the way the New Living Translation says it, because it says this. It says, by changing the way you think. Oh, isn't that good? Changing the way you think. Guess what? You don't have to think what you think. 
You can change what you think. There is a power in the transformed mind that allows you to choose what you think. The promise of God in this verse is that I don't have to be controlled by my perspective. With God's help, I can change my thinking and I can choose what I think about. Man, that's really good. And I'll tell you why. Because it rhymes. Are you ready for it? You can say, I'm not going to think that way. You can take that home. You can put that on Instagram. If I had Twitter, I would put it on there, but I do not. You can say, I'm not going to think that way. You should tell your neighbor that. Bump them. Tell them right now. You can say, I'm not going to think that way. Are you guys tired or something? What's going on? Like, I'm working hard up here. I'm actually sweating. Can you participate, please? I'm just kidding. We're having a good time. You can say, I'm not going to think that way. I'm just not going to think that way. I'm not going to be victimized by that. And here's where I find that in the scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's some war going on right there. No, 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 no. I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to choose something else to think. I can't be, I can't just empty my mind because then rogue thoughts fall in. But I can fill my mind with what it is that I want to be thinking about. And that is powerful. So let me be practical for just a minute. How, how do you choose what you're going to think about? I want to I teach you how to choose what you can think. Okay, you ready for this? The first one is this. Let God's word wash your mind. Did you know that God's word has a cleansing power to, to, to help you, aid you in the transformed mind to changing what you think? Let God's word wash over your mind. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, we have this beautiful picture of Jesus and the church, the, the, the groom and the bride. And, and the language helps us understand this concept of what Jesus, who's the living word, what he does. He washes us. Listen to this. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, listen, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. There's a washing that comes from the word of God and just allow that to be applied to your life and it will help you choose what to think. And if you just feed on God's word and allow God's word to wash over you when you're struggling and perplexed, when you're dealing with issues of culture and life, when you're dealing with external pressures, and I think mostly when you're feeling confused about things, if you let the word of God wash over you, you're choosing to say, this is my source. I'm going to have a biblical worldview. And if I have a biblical worldview, I should be empowered to choose what I'm thinking about. Let God's word wash over your mind. Secondly, be careful about what you're agreeing with. Sometimes you read something and you agree with it right away. You should go like, hold on a second. Should I agree with this? And I got to go and hold that, that thought, that comment, that idea up next to God's word. How does it measure up? I need to be careful about what I'm agreeing with. On social media, I got to be careful about what I'm agreeing with. 
More than that, in movies I watch, I have to be careful about what I'm agreeing with. In documentaries that obviously have an agenda, I need to be careful about what I'm agreeing with. In politics, when I hear political parties, I need to be careful about what I'm agreeing with. When I watch the news, I need to be careful about what I'm agreeing with. When I hear other people talking, I have to be careful about what I am agreeing with. You don't have to agree. Your culture will tell you you have to agree. You don't. You don't. You hold on to truth, and you be careful about what you agree with. Don't lose your foundation. Don't give it up. This is how you choose your victory and where you think. This is freedom, friends. This is freedom. Third thing, add confession to your prayer life. Add confession to your prayer life. The reason why this is so important is because we heard that confession brings healing into our lives. When we confess to Christ, we're staying current with Christ. We share with him our weaknesses, our concerns, our needs, our burdens, our fears. We become regular in bringing our life to him. But I want you to know that the Bible speaks of Jesus before Pilate, and it says this, Jesus made the good confession. And that confession was that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. So what does that mean for me? I can make a good confession. It's not just about me confessing my sin. I can make a good confession as well. I can say, I'm a child of God. My God wins. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm the head and not the tail. I'll be blessed. God has a plan for my life. God has good for me, right? That's a good confession. And you can make that confession. And that's how you begin to choose what you're going to think about. Start your prayers with the good confession. Here's what I know to be true about you, God. These are the things I know are true about you. You are mighty. You are Savior. You are friend. You are my salvation, right? Let's start with the good confession. Add that to your prayers. You're choosing what you're thinking about. And this last one comes from my sweet wife, Lisa. She tells it to our kids all the time and to me as well. Thank you, honey. Use Philippians 4.18 as a filter for your thoughts. Because if you ever questioning, even maybe you've been questioning this concept of choosing what you think. Let me show you in the scripture how Paul explains it to the Philippians. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Again, you can't have an empty mind, but you can fill your mind with the right things. Are you seeing it here? That's how you choose what you think about. Let's do it. Let's do it. You're going to leave here empowered to do it. And the third thought I want to give you as I'm, I'm wrapping up, we talked about how some of us are held captive by our past. I want to share something with you here, and I, I want to do it carefully. Listen to what I'm saying here. Jesus can use your past to shape your future. And I, I want to be, be really careful and sensitive because some of you are dealing with a past that was traumatic and painful and broken, and it has left a mark on you that in many ways you carry forward with you. And I understand that. 
I'm not trying to make small of that, and I'm not trying to make um, daisies out of a, a terrible situation. I'm not. But I want you to understand something. I think there's a picture of the redemption of Jesus that's really important for us to understand. And I'll give you one place to root it in, John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals a paralytic man. He's paralyzed. He's been there a long time. And Jesus heals him, and he says some very specific things to him. Okay? And this is important. It's John chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And for many of us, the painful past is so real, and our desire is to destroy it. We want it gone. We don't want anything to do with that painful past. We want to get rid of it. But Jesus may have a different way for you. You see, I don't think there's anything that that paralytic um, uh, disdained more than his bed of paralysis. And yet, what does Jesus say to him? He doesn't say, get up and run away. He says, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. And here's, here's what I want you to say. He's saying, I'm going to heal you so that you can bear that mat. And in many ways, when it comes to the pain of the past, that's what Jesus wants to say to you. I'm going to heal you so that you can bear it. Because there's something that happens. If you forget it, if you leave it somewhere, the testimony is lost. But when that paralytic man rolled up his bed and tucked it under his arm and went skipping away, the testimony on the power of Jesus was so clear for the world to see. And so God, in the same way, wants to help you. He wants to take your past and shape your future with it. And so for many of you, you may carry the past with you, but you're a testimony of God's goodness and healing even as you hold on to your mat. So I want you to see Jesus in that way. God gets the glory, you receive healing, and the testimony of Jesus is made apparent to the world. God can use your past to draw others to himself. I want to show you a little video. Someone from our church family, an awesome young man, and uh, he was brave in telling his story about finding freedom. Take a look. When I was little, I'd heard about Jesus, and if you would have asked me, I maybe would have said that I was a Christian or that I was like a good person but I never really had a relationship or followed him. By the time I got to high school, I basically walked away from my faith altogether. I started using drugs occasionally, and that then turned into a daily thing. One night, I had enough. I was just at the end of myself, exhausted, just done. I tried to overdose and end my life. And as I was at home alone in my house, dying and life slipping away, I cried out and said, Jesus, if you're real and if you save me, I'll give up all of this and give my life to you. Immediately, I was awake and sober. I felt the spirit fall on me and this love that I'd never experienced in my life. I was just so like shocked and surprised and uh, I grabbed my Bible and started reading it and started praying and just giving thanks that I was alive. 
from that night, everything changed. That God-shaped hole that I was trying to fill so many different ways for so many different years was finally full. I'm so thankful that I met Jesus. Wow. Come on, let's give a hand for Ian. I was very, very brave for him to share his story with us. Listen, friends, I want to pray for you. But I want you to understand something. You, you just saw a miracle. <laughs> and the reason why I brought that to you is not because that's going to be your story, but because we should never underestimate the power of a single prayer. God hears us. And, and when we pray for freedom, we pray his will, no doubt, because it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. I want you to stand to your feet with me for just a moment. And I want to pray for you. And, and um, as I was preparing for this time together, I felt like the Lord spoke to me specifically about you and that there's some of you that are here today. And here's what God said. It's like a pebble in your shoe. And you know how when you have a pebble in your shoe and you're busy doing stuff, you just kind of move it around and try to get it out from underneath any painful spot, maybe tuck it up under your toes so that you can just keep walking. And I felt like God said to me, there's many people in the room that are handling things fine. They're doing well, but the pebble's still there. And it's like God is saying, just sit down. Although I asked you to stand, just sit down and take the pebble out of your shoe. I don't want you to be irritated by that anymore. And the funny thing about that story is I heard the Lord and I wasn't sure if I was gonna share that or not. And so then I'm, I'm coming to church today and I'm like, something is in my shoe. And I'm like moving my foot around and finally I get, I clue in. It took me a while. I'm like, this is painful. I had a thorn this long in my sock and my wife is an excellent housekeeper. I think the Lord put it there. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. I'll share it with him. Listen, you might be here today and say, I've lived a long time with that pebble in my shoe. I'm fine. Today's the day where you can be free if you want to be. Today's the day you can be free. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to give you a couple of action steps out of this time together. But let's believe. Pray with me. I'll pray for you, but pray with me. Freedom was paid for by your Savior. Receive it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, in all humility, we come to you now as the family of God, and we thank you. We thank you for each life represented here, God, and, and for divine appointments and divine moments where we grab a hold of truth and, and the Spirit of God, and as a result, we find a new level of freedom. And so I pray in Jesus' name, I actually declare in Jesus' name, freedom over this house, freedom over all who are here, freedom in every life. Lord, we thank you for your great salvation. You have bought for us eternity, but you have said that you want for us life to the fullest. And so we thank you, Lord. We want to live in you, free, 
in Jesus' name, rooted, established, built up, and overflowing with thankfulness in the mighty name of Jesus. I just believe even right now, Lord, chains are falling off. Freedom is coming. The power of addiction is being broken. The past has no bearing on the future in Jesus' name. Lord, somebody's getting up right now and tucking their mat under their arm. Their testimony is growing as we pray together. And so we believe in Jesus' name that you are at work in your house, at work in your people, and it is for freedom that we have been set free. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.